Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. This is Owen Jones. Welcome to the podcast. The England football team took a stand against racism and in support of Black Lives Matter by taking the knee. They were booed by certain fans, racist ghouls, most of them, and the British government refused to condemn the booing of the English national side, legitimising the racist avalanche that was then directed against them when England narrowly lost in the Euro finals, three black football players in particular who were targeted. Now, the English football team are the most courageously outspoken national men's team we've ever had. Why is that? Now, this is something I wanted to really talk about with two people who really know what they're talking about, two brilliant commentators, uh, and that's Gary Young, uh, who's had a massive impact on myself and a whole generation of progressive writers really and a brilliant young writer called Kemi Alamuru who's from Manchester like myself who is the culture editor of Galdem who you really must uh, support subscribe on social media and elsewhere to talk about the significance of all of this what this all really means have they filled the vacuum left by the official opposition which has kind of left the pitch so to speak um, wh- wh- where do we go from here you know, is this the beginning of of a new impetus for anti-racism in this country? Uh, we've got a lot to talk about, and they're two brilliant voices, so I'm going to shut up now. Other than to say, do support the podcast on patreon.com forward slash ownjoes84. You keep the show on the road. You enable us to do the documentaries, which are so brilliantly put together by the team uh, in particular, as well as all the interviews and all the other things we do, including this podcast. Uh, or use the support function in the description please do leave us some stars and maybe even a review. Pourquoi pas? And with that, please listen to Kemi and Gary. So, Gary, Mm. we've got this national team with several black football players who become national heroes. And at the beginning of each match, they, of course, took the knee in support of Black Lives Matter um, and were vilified by much of the right-wing media and... The government refused to condemn the booing that took place by cer- certain English flat fans. What did all of that mean to you over this, I suppose, quite intense summer in lots of ways? I mean, it was, um, it was a, to me, it was a very good example. Gareth Southgate, starting with Gareth Southgate, when you see Labour particularly, and Labour particularly talking about a progressive patriotism and all that kind of stuff. And here was a version of what it might look like that nobody has been able to articulate um, because it took, um, for them, ironically, given that they were taking a knee, to make a stand. That kind of, 
yeah, we're 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 English, whatever that means, because you know Scotland, Wales, England really only exists as a football team uh, and a rugby team, um, <clears throat> but uh, we're English, and this is what it, this is one of the things it means to us. We're anti-racist and we're inclusive, and so yeah, we're fine taking you know we're fine with the flag, we're fine with all that, but this is what it means, and so. Um, uh, you know that you have to you have to till that soil if you want anything good to grow in it, and so there was this. It enabled all sorts of people, including me, to really kind of um, engage with this and really root for them because it had a meaning beyond itself and it had a meaning beyond the kind of more banal and often very aggressive and reactionary nationalism that one would see associated with things like this. So it, it, it was a kind of masterclass, really, in what, a, what you have to do if you want people to engage with nationhood in a, in a professional way. You can't just pull out a flag and say, we like this flag. If you're gonna pull out a flag, you're like, this is what this means to us. This is what it does mean. You're going to make enemies as well as friends. You're going to stake out some progressive ideological turf. And I feel like that's what they did. And they did it in a very kind of um, uh, unshowy way. I mean, they took the knee for like, it was like five seconds before a game. It was beautiful, I thought. But in each place, it took the debate from the sort of nonsense um aggravation about critical race theory and all of that kind of divisive stuff that they were trying to do and all these conversations or attempts to kind of smear people with the phrase white privilege and so on. It took it into your living room and said, the, the people who you will cheer, these are some of the values that they hold. I think a lot of people have seen how um, players like Raheem Sterling have been treated in the press um, a lot of people have seen how Marcus Rashford has acted over the last year, year and a half. Um, how long has this pandemic been going on for? Seemingly ages, um, you know, trying to feed the kiddies. And um, for the team to collectively, you know, say that they wanted to take a knee, a gesture which is like super contentious right now, um, and then be hammered for it by their own fans and by the government and by the press um, or certain sections of the press. Like, I think for me as a as a black Brit, I kind of rated them for it and was like interested in the ethos behind the team, the the things that they do on and off the pitch, like mattered to me in a way that like, um maybe I haven't really paid too much attention to to football before um other than in international tournaments but this team just sort of had you know um a nice camaraderie and a nice feeling behind them so I was I was okay to be a bit footy mad for maybe like two weeks um before I returned to just living the rest of my life but but I think like um yeah, I think Black Brits understand what it what it what they were up against, not just going into the tournament and the weight of um, it having been so long since we we got this far before, but 
uh, going into the tournament with not even like the full weight of your own fandom behind you because you get booed before you actually start playing uh, because of a choice that you've made. When the football players were subjected to racist abuse, um, a huge racist pile on that followed England's near, well, very, very close loss, of course. Um, and you, you saw Boris Johnson and Priti Patel, who had refused to condemn the doing, of course, of those English fans. Uh, and Tyrone Mings fought back. He mm. said, "You, you know, if you you've, you set the fire, then you you can't you can't then uh, pretend to, to to object to the to the consequences." What do you think the significance of that was? You've you've got a national football team that unapologetically will fight back against the gov- against the government on you know with, without, yeah. without holding back. I mean, there were two things. First of all, the classiness of Marcus Rashford, who at 23 is so much more an impressive man than Boris Johnson will ever be already. The, you know, the the maturity and the, um, the humility with which they responded was deeply impressive to me was deeply impressive and the kind of there were so many ways there were so many kind of uh, fault lines in the way that their missing of those penalties which was a disappointment to them and to others we shouldn't pretend like that was a you know that was a thing that they intended um uh that kind of no matter how excellent you are in your field no matter how much you're paid if you're black you're still going to face racism. The thing that my mum used to tell me, you have to be twice as good to get half as far that here they are. They, it's not just that they missed a penalty, that they were black people who missed a penalty. And that the notion that, which is, you know, how racism works, that they missed the penalty because they were black. If a white person had missed a penalty, it was a bad kick. When a black person misses it for the races, they missed it because they're black. Um the uh and then the kind of notion that they're not just taking the penalty for england they're kind of taking it for all black people so in some way they're missing a penalty reflects on everything else about black people like and the and the country there were so many ways the burden of representation the need to be so much better just to kind of be average the kind of racial signifying it, it kind of it touched so many points for so many uh for so many black people and of course we know that had england won it would have been understood as the genius of british multiculturalism and um aren't we a fantastic nation and and so on so uh if we win it's because um britain is uh brilliant and genius and if we lose it's because you know black people are awful and and um uh and very disappointing and so it speaks to so much of what is so wrong in the uh britain's racial debate and what we saw with johnson and patel and others was there's this tinder right there's this thing british racism there's also this thing british anti-racism which we've also seen kind of come to the fore as a response there's this tinder lying around and either 
you can put water on it, you can douse it, and you can say, you know, we, we are going to do everything we can to make sure that this does not turn into a conflagration and burn the house down. That's what Gareth Southgate did. That's what Gary uh, Neville did. Uh, Gareth Southgate, Gary Neville afterwards, and so many others. But, and then you've got Johnson and Patel, who others who, who were like, you know, having a little smoke right next to the tinder and then flicking their stubs on it and seeing where it lands. Incredibly, incredibly um, reckless, but also actually kind of genuinely speaks to um, their worldview in which kind of, you know, black people are pretty uh, dispensable and race is not an issue of the lives of people in Britain and the way that Britain is is kind of uh, configured, but just a kind of leverage point from which to kind of position yourself in some kind of ridiculous and kind of canny way? Um, well, first of all, I love Minx. <laughs> and I love that he um, pointed out the obvious. I think, like, you can't play stupid all of a sudden and, and say that you don't know where this racism is coming from when the whole point of the fact that they were kneeling was because we have already established that there is a problem. Um, and for Boris to say, you need to crawl back under the rock that you came from. I mean, I don't know. It just feels a little bit like, where have you been? <laughs> we're like, we've been having conversations around race and how, you know, certain words that he himself has said has emboldened racists, like, you know, after his uh, him comparing uh, Muslim women to letterboxes, hate crimes jumped. Um, so this is not his first rodeo. Um, Pretty Patel as overseeing the home office. I mean. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. It just feels very um disingenuous for them to just suddenly be like oh my god there's racism where's this coming from oh no like you know where it's coming from you know that you've tried to appease uh, these views with your policies and and with dog whistles um when it suited you so i just sort of it feels a little bit like an insult to our intelligence so i think mings was just sort of saying the same thing like you didn't just get here yesterday. You know exactly what the situation is. You know exactly why we were kneeling in the first place. You knew who was booing us and why, and then you made them feel legitimate. And then 
that same mindset is what leads to you know emojis of monkeys and bananas being put on Saka's profile like two minutes after um after he missed the penalties but you know at the same time nobody can be shocked but these aren't new these aren't new issues so um yeah I'm not really sure why they are changing their tune and and playing dumb and feigning surprise how how much do you think this is going to galvanize the anti-racist movements of this country and beyond do you think this will have a lasting galvanizing mobilizing effect i think these things are like inflection points they are kind of you know they're teachable moments that um this was a a a point at which everybody was i think it was the kind of biggest viewing figures for anything it's the furthest the england team have got in 55 years with these uh young men and and it ends up being this kind of awful racist kind of debacle um, uh, when they miss the penalties. And so people aren't going to forget that in a hurry. And you've, you know, these front page articles, uh, uh, splashes in the sun and the express, a lot of these papers who have stoked all of this uh, racism, particularly anti-immigrant feeling and so on, but just anti-black feeling for so long that um, uh, but then are forced to kind of, you know, talk about how awful it is and these are our boys and so on. And so, um, yeah, it kind of, it, that it gives us a moment to reflect and to look at, you know, who was where and what. Now, where these moments go is, it, it, you know, what what's interesting about this moment, I would say this to your viewers, with all the energy in my heart, is that everything's in play. Everything's in play. That we don't know how this ends up. And it depends what we fight for, what we argue for, what we make the case for. Um, And, um, uh, you know, it could be that it's reduced in people's minds to racism is something that happens online with bad-mannered people and trolls who... um, are just mean, uh, or it could <laughs> be that we incorporate this into an understanding of what's been going on over the last you know year or so, and we understand it as part of a system that, in many ways, is is both it, it is endorsed uh, from the highest levels, uh, and that this isn't a one-off. It's it's actually it's not a glitch in the matrix it's the matrix so there's everything to fight for in this moment what's i think what's clear is that we can't go that we won't be going back to before that whatever happens now this is now part of this moment is part of the national conversation and it's not just the racist attacks it's also the anti-racist response uh, which has been very impressive and uh, uh, and genuine and kind of authentic. And, um, you know, I'm old enough, Owen, I'm an old man, I'm 52, 
I remember when there weren't any black people playing for England. Uh, we've come a long way. <laughs> we've come a long way to the 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 captain wearing a LGBT supporting armband and the team taking a knee, and um, uh, and um, uh, Marcus Rashford making the statement that he did, and so on. And forth. We've come a long way, and we didn't come there by happenstance. That was all about struggle, and that makes me hopeful because it makes me think well where we be in another 30 years i mean we we need to live in hope and optimism at all times i think otherwise we'll just drive ourselves mad i think um in in any sense of the word from an anti-racist point of view from a left-wing point of view from a human decency equality um point of view without hope and optimism um things just feel pretty bleak and and progress is kind of impossible if you don't dare to dream um but i mean i wasn't really looking to footballers to uh unshackle us from oppression that wasn't really what um i was i was looking for from them but it's nice that they are showing solidarity with with those sentiments and it's nice to see that on a national stage a huge stage and maybe people who hadn't thought about it will have thought about it and maybe they're on the fence maybe they're on the fence about taking a knee in black lives matter and they and they didn't know why it was really showing up in the game um but you know maybe now that they've seen what happens when three black players miss a penalty um maybe they're starting to understand a little bit more why um you would need to uh you would need to resist racism and to call attention to racism, sort of sound the alarm before before they um, descend on your page. <laughs> like when you when you don't perform in the way that they think that you should have performed for the team. Um, yeah, in terms of using this moment for hope and optimism, I think the reason why I wrote the article that I wrote was just because I feel like sometimes you need to seize upon opportunities to shift the narrative and change the narrative and to dominate the narrative because I feel like the far right are very good at um, using moments for you know their own agenda. The, the whole run-up to the tournament was like a really good illustration of like how they create mountains out of molehills and create, you know, conversations around um, wokeness and and the culture war and blah, 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 blah. And that becomes so dominant and so loud. And we end up answering to that agenda rather than like sort of pushing our own forward. Um, And I feel like, you know, when I woke up yesterday morning was when I I wrote the piece, I just didn't want to start my day based on their agenda again um, and, you know, talking again about how racism exists and talking again about, about, you know, these, you know, terrible, awful things. I kind of just wanted to shout out the, um, the courage of the boys, the achievements of the team. Um, and, yeah, I think over the next, you know, couple of days or weeks, we're already seeing with like the Marcus Rashford moral, mural being like um, vandalized that there are loud voices against um, racism and there are many decent right-thinking people 
out there um and sometimes it's you know good just to shout out the things that are good just to if anything make you feel um like you're not completely losing it (laughs) i think i think um any person of color um who was online yesterday probably just needed something to look at that contextualize the game with a bit more nuance than we were seeing overnight when um things just got very very ugly very very quickly how much do you think the fact that we have this uniquely outspoken national football team which we we haven't had in the same way at all before as you say not just on issues of racism lgbtq rights and of course in, in the case of Marcus Rashford on issues of of poverty, for example. I mean, how much do you think that isn't an accident, but it actually is because they're rooted, they're they're products of their generation, uh, that this is a generation, um, unlike, you know, we talk about previous youth revolts. I often quote the fact that in 1983, most young people actually, or Thatcher won a a lead amongst 18 to 24-year-olds, that's changed a lot. Uh, there's a lot of evidence that shows this is a uniquely progressive generation. So do you think this is just a way, if you were, a, a kind of youth revolt, which is actually bubbling below the surface, finds different ways of bubbling to the top, and this is just one of them? I mean, I definitely do think, and I've been thinking a lot about this, so they are definitely they are products of their generation, much like Stormzy, for example, who, you know, Marcus Rashford's born in... 1998 or there or thereabouts so um he comes of age at the beginning of austerity uh uh in many ways he's a victim of austerity which is where he gets his kind of energy for uh um all of this um uh anti-poverty activism maybe comes from uh he will be in his mid-teens when Black Lives Matter really kicks off. He will only have known, well, not only, because (laughs) things have happened since, but he would have been conscious at a time when there was a Black president in America. So a real sense of possibilities, but also a real sense of threat that he would have grown up during, you know, uh, and develop, been developing his consciousness during Brexit, during Trump, uh, um, during some of the most kind of, you know, reactionary things that we've seen in a while. And so this group of young men, there was a, the notion of resistance. And I don't mean that they're getting up every morning and reading The Guardian and, um, uh, you know, getting on to um, Substack and uh, writing theories and calling Chomsky. But just the mood music that they have grown up with has been one of economic austerity, of popular resistance, of anti-racist resistance, of the notion of um, uh, uh, of freedom in a range of ways um, that people's individual choices, lesbian, gay, whatever, should not be uh, uh, impinged. And um, of um, of a kind of hovering sort of sinister cruelty that's coming from um, from government, in which their peers will have seen tuition fees being hiked and their um, 
uh, ability to stay on at six of them court, curtailed with, with all of these cuts and so on. So I definitely um, feel that they are... There was something about Marcus Rashford's statement, the confidence in it, the self-assuredness, the, you know, I'm sorry that I missed the penalty. Uh, I am not sorry for who I am. I'm a black man from Withenshaw and South Manchester and... You know, if I have nothing else, I have that. Which, honestly, without wanting to be too hokey, has kind of reminds me a bit of the kind of things that Ali would say. Um, you know, I don't have to be who you want me to be. Uh, I'm myself. I'm black and I'm cocky. Uh, those are, you know, that's not Rashford's style, but it's kind of basically what he's saying. So, no, I think that these young people... Uh, and we can see it in music. Lewis Hamilton's commission came out um, yesterday about racism in uh, sports. We see it, like I said, we can see it in music. We can see it in some of the young black politicians, and not just black politicians, but some of the younger people coming through politics. That I was a generation, I was 10 when Thatcher came in. I was a generation raised in defeat. This is in not just electoral feat, but a series of rollbacks and trade union rights and uh, uh, immigration and, and a, a range of other things. This is a generation that is raised both in austerity and in resistance and in a notion of uh, uh, a need to advance your sense of freedom and your sense of self. Yeah, I feel like they are very much a reflection of the fact that there are conversations that we feel like we need to have and we feel like we need to keep having until everybody understands like they're using their platform and they're using their profile and I think a lot of the conversations that we were having last summer um, during the the waves of protest is just how can each of us individually make a difference from whatever job we're doing whether you you know are a footballer with a huge audience um probably the biggest audience in the in the country like you know on on sunday at that time how do you use that moment to create a conversation and to um to like show your beliefs and like show like support for a cause that I mean people have said they're playing politics but at the end of the day them saying that Black Lives Matter is, is not really like a, a left-wing or a right-wing statement it's just a statement of you know these people are equal um, and this is a team full of black players who, I mean, not full of black players but you know with, with a, a sizable amount of black players who have face racism in their lives, are um, dealing with a press who um, seem to attack them for the smallest things from buying them a house to, you know, getting a, a tattoo on their leg. And the, the boys are obviously just standing together to resist. One of your colleagues at Galdem, a publication everyone should check out, once wrote that Keir Starmer is a wet wipe. And the reason I bring that up is to what extent do you think a lot of this is filling the vacuum because the official opposition has kind of vanished, just walked off the stage, doesn't really exist anymore. And therefore it falls to e.g. football players to fill that void. Yeah. Moya did write that. That was a very, a very good piece. I've heard 
um, from someone who works at Labour that Kia really doesn't like that article as well. I think he's like, <laughs> I think he's quite sad about it. Um, I think uh, at this point, yeah, nobody's really looking at Kia to do any opposition because like we'll be waiting a long, a long, long time. And, you know, Marcus Rashford, it, it, for some reason, seems to be the only person that people think should be feeding the kids as well. Today, someone was tweeting like at Marcus Rashford we need your help again and it's like you know we do have elected officials to to like to like fill these gaps like these are actual people's jobs like not just you know what this footballer does like on the side um but yeah I think I think people just want to see uh an opposition to things that they can see aren't working well there are many things that aren't working well and the pandemic has um shone a light on that um and I think people sort of grabbed on to the team and grabbed on to the ethos of the team because like it just they're saying things that make sense like they're they're doing things that make sense they're saying things that make sense it's not particularly controversial um what they've said and done um on the face of it, on paper, it, it's just very, they're just making very normal statements about equality. And uh, Mings is just pointing out historically what Priti Patel has said. Like, it's all quite common sense when you just look at what has been said without it being, you know, twisted or filtered through um, other various sources that have um, a very particular agenda. I mean, you know, I think that these things would have happened if Corbyn were leader of the Labour Party, to be honest. I think the difference is that he would have voiced his support for them uh, and that some of them might have, there might have been a, more of a, a connection between what's going on in Parliament and what's going on outside of it. Whereas at the moment, the opposition within Parliament feels like it is not particularly relevant to what is going on elsewhere um but um i think that i think they would have done it anyway uh, but i think that the um the way it would have been received and might have been amplified would have been different thank you so much for listening i hope you found that as educational as i certainly did do support us on patreon.com forward slash own jose 84 to keep this podcast channel every element of it really going um, and also use the support function uh, which you can see in the description please leave us some stars and a review or anything like that just helps get the word out more people will listen and with that lots of love speak to you soon imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt now imagine them getting even softer over time that's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.